Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. But we've been talking about honor for the last um, six weeks or so, and today I'm continuing that series. Um, and I remember it was about a month ago that during this series, the Lord, uh, he really just impressed upon me a prophetic word. He said that sometimes in the body of Christ, we give him lip service, uh, particularly in, the, in our context of church. Uh, we're, we're very good at giving honor to God, who's the head of our life, you know, in our testimonies, we, we give honor. We often give honor by giving away titles. Uh, we never called our parents by their first name. Uh, if you did, that was the last time you did that, right? You know what I'm talking about. We put a title on it. You mommy, you daddy, you doctor, you pastor, you, or whatever. Uh, you're Mr. or Mrs. Uh, but in that, in that word that God gave me, he said that oftentimes we fall short when it comes to our ties, or we come fall short in honoring God when it comes to our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so today's message is not directly about how we honor God, but it's about how we honor and how we receive and how we care for his servants. Now, I know that some of you would say, well, I'm glad he's talking about this today because I've been serving in the church for an awful long time, and it's about time for me to get some honor. I'm not talking about serving everybody. I'm talking about specifically those that have a five-fold ministry call upon their lives. We often, in our context, we call them pastors. But the first human inclination when we often talk about honor is the temptation when we, especially when we hear about giving honor to pastors, the first temptation that is our human inclination is often to ask the question, well, who do you think you are? Are you getting a big head? Are you, do you think you're better than us? Are you trying to exert your authority? We need to, you need to be careful. You often hear that. Don't get proud. Don't become arrogant. And, and, and if we fall into that temptation, we often fall into the sin to think that it is our spiritual gift or our God-given obligation to keep the pastor humble, to keep them hungry or broke, and to keep them under our hand or under our thumb. And there are some churches and some people in the body of Christ that will take that to the degree where we will begin to operate on the defensive rather than on the offensive against the gates of hell. And so we will oftentimes appoint a board or trustees, I'm talking about somebody else's church, all right? But it's still true. That will represent us, the people, represent our interest and protect us from the pastors. That thinking is more dangerous 
than a pastor who's not submitted to or hearing the voice of God. Pastors and leaders don't work for the people. They don't work for the board. They are called by God. They might be hired or the paycheck might be signed through the, as a result of the gifts, the financial gifts and the service of the people, but the gifts do not mean control. See, I can say this because I'm old enough. You know, Mama used to tell you when you get old enough, you can just say what you want to, right? I've been here long enough. I can say this. Younger people can't say this. Younger pastors can't say this, or they often won't. But it's still true. In Matthew 24, in verse 45 through 51, we're reminded that pastors are called to be faithful and wise. Jesus says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household? Everybody can't be in charge to give them food at their proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. See, the pastor works for the master. He has a responsibility to feed the people. And it would be good for that pastor to be doing so when the Lord returns. Truly, I tell you, if he does, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like hell to me. So God calls. Boards can affirm. The congregation can confirm with a vote. But it is the Lord who sets people in positions of authority. So not everybody in the body of Christ is equal. In the book of Numbers chapter 16, the Korahites were of the tribe of Levi, which means that they were a priestly people. There were 12 tribes from the descendants of Jacob, but the descendants of Levi, they became priests. They served the Lord, they, they took care of the temple, they took care of spiritual matters, worship, sacrifices and those type of things but there was a gentleman in number 16 one by the name of Korah the Bible tells us that he conspired along with some other fellows in verse 2 they incited a rebellion against Moses along with the 250 other leaders of the community and prominent members of the assembly they united against Moses and Aaron and he said you have gone too far who do you think you are that's my translation you've gone too far the whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is, with us, he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? When Moses heard that saying, he fell face down on the ground, and he said to, the, to Korah and his followers, he said, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. That word holy means who is set apart, whom God has chosen for a special use. He's going to show you. And the Lord will, will allow only those whom he selects to enter into his presence. Not everybody is equal in the body of Christ. Moses recognized that he, like pastors, prophets, apostles, evangelists, those whom we set in positions of leadership in the church, they have a special grace upon their lives. 
the Bible tells us that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak to a friend. In fact, in Exodus 33, I want you all to see this. This is so, so vital to the shift that's happening in Park Lawn right now. In Exodus 33, verse 11, I'm reading the New Living Translation for this particular verse. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, he would remain behind in the tent of meeting. There's a special grace upon the Moseses and the Joshuas that are in the body of Christ. While God was using Moses in his own unique way. Now Moses, he did things that nobody else had ever done before. Lifting up his staff, the Red Sea parted, 12 or 10 plagues, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, all of the miraculous things have not been done like they were done under Moses' ministry. But while God was using Moses in his own unique way, he was also preparing Joshua. He was downloading his dreams into Joshua for the next season. Because while Moses was speaking to God face to face, when Moses would leave and return to the camp, Exodus 33:11 says, the young man Joshua who assisted him would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Which meant that God was also dealing with Joshua in a unique way. It was different than the way that he was dealing with Moses. Joshua was in a safe place while he was in the presence of God. The danger that Joshua faced was being in the second chair, being in the second position. And, and it, that's not an easy place to be, being an assistant, being a, a VP. If you don't believe me, just ask Aaron, because Aaron had a position of authority underneath Moses, and the people incited Aaron to exalt himself above the position of Moses while Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments. And he created a golden calf with the jewelry of the people. So we need to pray for our Joshua's. It's a very vulnerable place to be in. But Joshua's task while he was in the presence of the Lord was to cultivate an intimacy with God. The, the, the highest place, the highest role of your pastor is what we see in Acts chapter 6 where, where the apostles said, we're not going to leave what God has called us to do to wait on tables. Our role is to give ourselves to prayer and to the word of God. If you have pastors who are so busy that they are not intimate with God, you're in a dangerous place. If you're keeping them so busy meeting natural needs themselves instead of allowing them to delegate through trained pastors and elders and ministers and other leaders in the local church, the church will never be healthy. So Joshua's task was to cultivate an intimacy with God, to protect the dream that God was downloading within him. So that dream would take the church to the next level. The dream would glorify God. It would unite the body of Christ. It would honor the Moses who preceded him, and it would bless the nation of Israel. Let me go a little bit deeper to De Deuteronomy chapter 34. In verse 7, the Bible says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. Hallelujah. I'm claiming that right now in the name of Jesus. You can have three score and ten if you want to. I'm claiming 120. Yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. 
there was a shift that was occurring in Deuteronomy 34. And even though God was causing Moses to pass the baton to Joshua, he wasn't through with Moses. Moses still had strength. He still had keen eyesight. But verse 8 tells us that in the midst of the shift, the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Anytime there is a shift in leadership, just like a death or a loss of something dear, a job, or there's going to be grief. Grieving in the church is natural because we often feel like this is the leader who married us. This is the leader that preached the gospel and I heard, I heard the voice of the Lord and I gave my life to Christ. This is the leader that buried my mother and my father. This is the leader that baptized me. This is the leader that I heard his voice on the radio and I came to this church. And if that leader's voice is not no longer prominent or we're not hearing it every day, it's often a season of grief. But it does pass. They mourned for Moses for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Verse 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now it's Joshua who's speaking, but they're obeying what Moses had commanded them. God is a God of succession. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't stop with Abraham. Jesus always prepared his disciples for succession, even though they didn't want to hear it. And after every succession, there is always an acceleration of the kingdom when it's done God's way. Now, God has already, I, don't, I want you all to, to open up your eyes to see that God has already sent me my next pastor. <laughs> He's right there. That's, that's going to be my next pastor. I hope he's yours too. <laughs> God's not going to be through with me next spring either. My eyes are not dim. My strength is not weak. I'm not being driven out. I'm not, I'm not leaving because there's a moral weakness in my life. I'm not leaving for another church or another job. I'm being called, I'm being sent out. But this is, this is still going to be home. So when Moses left the tent of meeting, Joshua remained behind because God was downloading dreams within him. Can I let you all know right now we need to be praying for Pastor Marcus? You need to be, in fact, just extend your hands towards him right now. We're praying right now, Father, that, that you would download into him the divine visions of heaven right now. God, we believe that there is a purpose and a destiny for the people of God in this church and in this community, for each and every one of us individually, for our families, for the schools in this community, 
for economic development, Lord, for transformation that would cause heaven to touch earth. And God, we pray that you would cause him to dream on. We pray, Lord, that you would open up the heavens over his life as you did for Jacob and that the angels of God would ascend and descend, bringing provision, bringing protection, bringing peace, bringing the promises of God to fruition in his life, in his wife's, Crystal's life, in his children, Michaela and, and Jason, bringing all the blessings of God to manifestation for, the, for your glory and for our good. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we leave Deuteronomy 34, there's something else that I see in verse 10. It says in verse 10, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all of those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Whenever there's a shift and whenever we are in a state of grieving, it's natural to compare. It's natural to compare. Pastor Marcus don't sound like me. He don't look like me. I, I, you know, I can't, you know. You know, it is what it is, man, you know. He's a good-looking dude, you know. He's good dude. It's natural to compare. It's natural sometimes to criticize. It's natural sometimes to feel like, you know what, it don't feel right. I think I'm going to shift and leave and go somewhere else. It's natural to blame, to look for something wrong. But God's going to use him differently than he's used me. He used Joshua in a totally different way with a totally different purpose than he did for Mo with Moses. You know, in the, in the street world, I'm just going to get street on y'all for a moment. As street as I can be, all right? Because there, there's a saying on the street, you better recognize. You ever heard that? Translation of that is that you need to, you need to recognize the contribution. When a person says that, recognize the contribution that I'm making. If your children are spoiled brats and, you know, they want more and more and more and you're doing the best you can. Sometimes you just need to say, wait a minute, you need to recognize you need to recognize that I don't have to do that for you, right? You need to recognize who I am, recognize my contribution. Well, in Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron had that problem because they criticized Moses because of the Ethiopian wife that he had married. And it caused their lives to be cursed. Anytime we fail to recognize, you better recognize Anytime we fail to recognize the authority and the grace that's upon our Moses and our Joshua, it causes our lives to be cursed individually. But it also brings a corporate curse because we're many members yet we're one body. And so what happened is that as a result of the leprosy that God brought upon Miriam, the whole uh, camp of Israel, thousands, millions of people were not allowed to advance. They had to wait seven days for the leprosy to leave Miriam. So it hinders all of us. No, we're not all the same, but you need to recognize. Let me give you another street word. 
you better put some respect on my name. <laughs> some of y'all going to be telling y'all kids this week, you better put some respect on my name. It means the same thing. You better recognize. You better recognize. You know, if people criticize your cooking, mama, daddy. You say, you better put some respect on my cooking because you don't have to get it. <laughs> the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says the same thing. It commands us to put respect upon our leaders. The New Living Translation says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. Follow the example of their faith. Jumping down to verse 17, obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. You are the beneficiary of doing this. It's not that they're getting a big head. It's not that they're, you know, they're becoming proud or arrogant. It's for your benefit. In 1 Corinthians, we, we pick that theme up again in verse uh, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul writes and says, Instead, I sometimes think that God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We're often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. Some of y'all are feeling convicted right now. You should. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everyone's trash, right up to the present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. He says in verse 17, that's why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Let me bring this message to a close before we, before we uh, take communion together as a family. Let me give you three reasons why you need to honor the man of God. Number one, it benefits you the most more than it does him. Let me tell you a quick story. Several years ago, I was invited to, uh, to speak at a uh, pastors and leadership conference in the city of Chicago. It's the first time that I was invited to this conference and I didn't know the pastor very well. Um, I, I'd been to Chicago a number of times, but his, his church was in a, was in a very um, underprivileged part of town. And um, the interesting thing is that Prior to going to that conference, I was already scheduled to attend Bishop T.D. Jake's Pastors and Leadership Conference. It's a three-day conference in Dallas, Texas. And there were uh, some spiritual sons in my life who traveled with me to Dallas for the conference. And in order to honor that 
request to, to go to Chicago, I would have to leave Bishop Jake's conference early. And you can imagine the, the level of, of anointing and the level of excellence that was at the Bishop Jake's conference. It was like heaven on earth. And I didn't want to leave. But I, I got a flight. Uh, the day, uh, uh, I think it was like a Friday. Yeah, it was a Friday afternoon. I got the flight and I was, I was scheduled to get to Chicago at about 8 o'clock. But I, my flight was from Dallas to Milwaukee. So I would come to Milwaukee, pick my car up, drive to Chicago to be at this conference on Friday night, and I was speaking Saturday morning. Now, the, the spiritual sons, they didn't, they didn't have the fortune that I did to, to get on that Friday night flight. They were able to enjoy the rest of the conference and then uh, that night and come on Saturday morning. I was a little bit jealous of that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was in my flesh. I didn't want to leave the conference, go to a smaller venue, a place I had never gone before. And so I got to the church in Chicago after flying three hours, driving an hour and a half, arrive in Chicago, and I sit in the service. I got there for the end of the service, and I spoke to the pastor. I said, hey, thanks for inviting me. I'm here. I left Bishop Jake's conference in order to be here. Just thought I'd remind him of that. Uh, he said, well, great. We're glad that you're here. You're going to speak tomorrow morning. Um, you know, go, my secretary, I think, has made a reservation for you at the hotel. I said, well, I didn't get any information about that, so, you know, connect me with her. And I saw the secretary at the registration desk, and she gave me some hotel information, no directions, so I was kind of on my own. And I finally found the hotel. And when I found the hotel, when I got out of the car, I was like, Lord Jesus, Psalm 91. I fear no arrow but flies by day or terror of night. I hide under your wings. I mean, it was a rough part of town. I got out of the car, I walked into the hotel lobby, and I kid you not, I got propositioned in the parking lot and I got propositioned in the lobby. I said no on both occasions. I just want to let you know. <laughs> when I got to the front desk, I identified who I was. I was ready to get my credit card. I already knew I wouldn't get a lot of sleep that night. That was the kind of hotel it was. It was a busy place. They were renting the rooms by the hour. This is the hotel the pastor booked for me. And I'm speaking at his conference on Saturday. I'm going somewhere with this. When I got to the front desk, they said, oh, well, we gave your room up because you didn't get here by 4 o'clock. Oh, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> yes, and probably a few other names besides Jesus. So you gave my room up. So what am I supposed to do? So I immediately, I call. I started calling the pastor. I had a cell phone, no answer. It's about 11 o'clock at night now. I called the church, no answer. Everybody has left the church. I have, I left Bishop Jake's conference that, that afternoon. Did I tell you all that? I went to Milwaukee and I drove an hour and a half to get there. It's 11 o'clock, there's no hotel room for me. What am I supposed to do? I start Googling hotels. I don't know this part of town. I drive by, I see a couple of motels, you know, where the door is outside. There's no lobby. I said, no, I ain't staying there. I ended up staying in Indiana. Finally found a hotel in Hammond, Indiana, about 45 minutes from the church. I get to my room about 1.30 that night, that, that morning, 
my spiritual sons, they arrive about 6 a.m. That's how much they love me. And that was the only encouragement I had that night. I was in my flesh. I was so angry. I thought about driving back home and saying, you know what, just bump this conference. I'm just through with him. No honor, no, didn't put no respect on my name, didn't recognize, don't even know who I am. <laughs> no honor. And I realized, I said to myself, I said, you know what, I will never treat a pastor, a missionary, a traveling evangelist like this in my life because it's, it's not a benefit to the people of God in my church. It's not to benefit him, but it's to benefit the people because they're going to speak a word over the people. I really had to forgive and pray all night long and that morning before I got up and spoke. Otherwise, I would have been <laughs> fire and brimstone, right? We honor the man of God because it benefits us the most, more than it does them. Number two, it stirs up the gift of God inside of the man of God. It stirs the gift of God up when you honor them because there's a blessing that God places, there's a grace that God places inside of the man of God that you need. And it's honor that stirs it up. And I'm going to take you to, quickly to 1, King, 1 Samuel chapter 9. The background of this is that Saul, before he became king, now he's still a young Joshua. He's not been elevated to the position of king yet. There's still purpose and power and potential locked up on the inside of him. The oil has not been poured on his head yet. He's been called but not consecrated. His father's donkeys were lost. And so he sent his son Saul, and Saul took several of his servants with him to go and try to find the donkeys. Sometimes God will use normal situations that frustrate us to position us to a place of honor. So he's following, trying to find the trail of these donkeys, and his servant recognizes, <laughs> you know what, we need to find a man of God because there's a gift of discernment, there's a word of knowledge that's locked up in the man of God that we need right now. Otherwise, we're going to be wandering, trying to find these donkeys in our natural inclination, what we see, taste, touch, smell, hear. It kind of reminds me, let me digress for a moment, the Lion King. Y'all remember old Rafiki and the Lion King? Rafiki told, he said something I'll never forget. He said, follow old Rafiki. He knows the way. See, the man of God has something on the inside of them that knows the way. And the servant says, let's find a man of God, but let's not go empty-handed. We got to put something in our hand out of respect. Not that you're buying a miracle. That's what psychics do. They want you to pay them to get a prophecy. $1-800 demon. Right? 99 cent a minute. You'll get a word from hell. That's what you'll get. But out of respect, of the gift of God that's in the man of God, out of respect of the grace of God that's upon their life. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, the servant said, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. But Saul says, but we don't have anything to offer him. Even our food is gone, and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. 
we can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. In those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer for prophets used to, call, used to be called seers. All right, Saul agreed, let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. This is a revelation God gave me. He said, your elevation is waiting upon your release of honor. Your elevation is waiting upon your release of care, of respect, of service, and the way you receive your man or your woman of God. Saul may never have been elevated and anointed as the next king of Israel had he failed this test of honor. It was right on the other side because not only did the prophet tell him that the donkeys are all right, now your father is worrying about you, but he invited Saul to a banquet and had Saul sit at the head seat, gave Saul the best piece of meat, then poured oil on the head of Saul and prophesied that now you're going to meet some prophets that are going to, that are going to release a gift, a prophecy on the inside of you. You're going to be changed into a new man. Your elevation is waiting for you to release honor. That gift of honor opened up a doorway for natural and spiritual gifts because God gave Saul a new heart. You need to recognize, you need to put some respect on their names. <laughs> Here's another key you need to recognize. Those who we call pastors, they have the same basic needs and necessities that you do. They need the same thing that you do. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, one day Elisha went to the town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp. And then we, he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Verse 11, one day Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. Don't you need rest sometimes? So do we. Don't you like to eat sometimes? We do too. Do you like vacations? Amen to that. You like spending time with your wife and your family? Yeah. We're not immune to that either. We have the same basic needs that you do. We're not supermen and superwomen. You get irritated sometimes? Yeah, times 10 for us. Because we have more of y'all to deal with. Let me go on. When you honor, this is the second key, when you honor pastors, you step into and you lean into partnership with God and the assignment that's on their lives. You are partnering with God and you're partnering with the assignment that God has placed upon their lives. Let me give you a scripture, 3 John. It's only one chapter, verses 5 through 8, 3 John. He says, dear friends, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through. Even though they're strangers to you, they have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such leaders in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord. 
and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. That key word there, partners, means that you lift them from the bottom to the top. I appreciate all of the MVPs in this church, our ministry volunteer partners. I appreciate the pastors, the elders, the commission ministers, but there is two groups that I appreciate even more that, that really have hands-on. Those are my armor bearers and the pastor's assistant committee. They are intentionally every day focused on lifting, partnering, as all of us are, we're partnering with the assignment of God on this church. Let me continue with this and I'm almost done a third key when we honor and we partner with our leaders we shall not lose out you're not giving without rewards or recognition God sees and he keeps track you're not gonna lose you will never lose Matthew 10 41 through 42 says if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God you will be given the same reward as a prophet and if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. And if you give a, even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. You are doing this unto the Lord. You might be giving it to a, to a man or a woman of God, but it is a sacrifice that is an incense that's pleasing in the sight of God. So you better recognize that God is watching you. I know Christmas time is coming up, Christmas decorations, commercials, and just like Santa Claus, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming back. He sees you when you're sleeping. I'm not even going to go there. I want to close with this. The church that takes great care of its pastor will enjoy the special blessing of heaven every day. The church that takes special care of its pastor will enjoy the special blessing of heaven every day. And the, the opposite is also true. The church that does not will continue to suffer. You can even apply that. The family that takes special care of its elders, of its father, of its mother, will enjoy the special blessing of heaven every day. The individual that takes care and honors leadership or any authority in our life, you will enjoy the special blessing of heaven every day because you see them as gifts from God and you see the grace of God that flows from their life to you. Your elevation is waiting on your release of honor, your care, your service, your respect, your receivership of those that God has placed in authority over your life. Bow your heads with me right now. As we're preparing for communion, I want to pray for us right now. Because not only is our elevation waiting, but our deliverance is waiting. When King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by an army, the Lord released a word through the prophet that they would not need to fight in the battle, but stand still and see the salvation of God. Jehoshaphat said, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm and believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So Father, I pray right now, I just thank you for the gifts that you've given to your church. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Thank you for 
the Moses and the Joshua that you placed in this spiritual house, Park Lawn Assembly. Thank you, God, for the revelation that you've poured into our lives so they can be poured out to your people. Father, I, I just thank you, Lord, that in this day that you're, you're recalling all of us to our purpose, to our assignment. I thank you, Lord, for the, for the recall to watch and care for the souls of the body of Christ, the people who call this their local church. I thank you, Father, for the membership of this house, that this is our storehouse, this is our place of blessing, this is a place that we bring our time, our talent, and our treasure, our tithe into the storehouse, and you, thank, and we, you promise to open up the windows of heaven. I thank you, Father, for open heaven blessings over this house. I thank you that the devourer is rebuked. He's rebuked from our spirits, our souls, our bodies, our relationships, our, our children, every dimension and facet of our life. We thank you right now, God, for the blessing of the Lord. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.